Hello, and welcome to the Breaking the Guard podcast with myself, David Avalon, and Robert Drysdale. On today's episode, we have a very special guest, none other than two-time UFC heavyweight champion, Frank Mir. Frank is a Las Vegas resident, so it was great to have him on the show. He talks a lot about uh, his approach to fighting, how being lazy has made him very efficient, we get into some politics too midway in the show, talking about the Me Too movement and uh, a bunch of other things. And we finish off with how he handles stress in combat and approaches fights. So a good all-around episode, so go ahead and stay tuned. Before we get started, a shout-out from the Kimura Trap System. Yes, <laughs> if you know me, you know that I'm the one who created the term Kimura Trap and consequently the Kimura Trap system. Now, there are a lot of courses out there now that are covering the Kimura Trap, but whenever I see little clips and videos, they're missing big pieces and there's kind of errors that I'm seeing in some, even just some of the basic setups. So I highly urge you to go straight to the source. Visit KimuraTrap.com. I offer a bunch of videos for free just so you can see what it's about. I even offer an intro program, which is essentially 80 minutes out of the 11 plus hours from the full course for only $7 for online streaming. You can just access it right away. And of course, if you want to get the full course, the Kimura Trap System, whether you want to get a DVD set or through online streaming, you can get it right now at a discount of $50 off. So it says $147, which you can order at KimuraTrap.com. All my courses come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not satisfied after 30 days, you can get a full refund. No, no questions asked. And what makes this different than other courses, you might wonder? Well, the Kimura Trap System, again, it's truly a system which I'm going to walk you through step-by-step step how to use it, how to set it up, the different variations uh, you can use when people respond differently to the Kimura Trap. So there's a whole lot of things. And essentially what Kimura Trap means, it's the concept of using the Kimura, which is a shoulder lock, as a grip instead of just using it as a submission hold. And when you think of it like that, it gives you lots of different ways to sweep, to do takedowns, to guard pass, and of course transition into a dominant position or into yet another submission. It's a game that works well for everybody, whether you're a top person, a bottom person, whether you're short and stocky or long and lanky, everyone can do a Kimura. And having the most powerful grip in mixed martial arts as part of your arsenal is a very smart move in my opinion. So go ahead, check out KimuraTrap.com to learn more and order. Hello, everyone. We're back here at the Breaking the Guard podcast. Today, we got a very special guest, two-time UFC heavyweight champion of the world, good friend of ours, Frank Mir. Frank? Okay. That's good to be here, man. Sorry for the run of late. Yeah. <laughs> it's all good. You're Cuban. It comes with the territory, right? Cuban time. Yeah. <laughs> Payback for yesterday for him being late. Now. Yeah. <laughs> no, we, 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 we totally get it, bro. Um, Frank, I mean, there's so many, we're talking about where we're going to go with this podcast, and there's so many different directions we can take. I'm not sure, I guess we could start with, you know, um, 
you know, your early career in the UFC as one of the most dominant jiu-jitsu guys in there. However, you know, you, you were beating guys that are on paper much better than you. Oh, yeah. In jiu-jitsu, right? And you career on paper. Lose, yeah. Exactly. And you're always the guy that always shocks the world with, like, I'm going to not only win, I'm going to make you tap. Yeah. Right? I think Roberto Travin was one. Yeah. And then... I remember that fight clearly. Yeah. That's the other thing, that not only did you submit people, it's always the most brutal. I don't think there's anybody that has more breaking power than you have shown in the UFC. Oh, like, I got a good story about that. Yeah, because every time yeah. I've seen an armbar, Kimura, or whatnot, you know, it's always nasty. I'm like, Frank's the last guy I want cranking me on any submission you know, possible. You guys remember that? Was, I think it was the History Channel that we did that special for. It was oh, the, yeah. the, the Discovery Channel. And they have the little dummy yeah, with like the, the mechanical science, joint yeah. fight science. Oh, okay. So we did one, and they wanted to measure Frank's like power with the armbar, right? So they had a little mechanical dummy with like a like metal joint, right? And he's armbar, and they're measuring how strong his armbar is, right? He breaks the dummy. He breaks the <laughs> joint. Remember that? Yeah. And everyone's like, "Holy shit!" Well, no, because I was cranking it, and then I stopped, and they can read on yeah. the measure. They're like, yeah. "Oh, because of torque." Yeah. They're like, well, you, you, you're is it hurting you? Why are you shutting down? I'm like, "Oh, I don't want to break it." Yeah, they're like, dude, this is a hundred eighty thousand dollar cash test dummy, yeah. like almost like you know, like come on, kids, you can't break it. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I said I can go full blast. All right, go. That's awesome. No, and yeah, I mean, I've trained with Frank. It's it's scary. Like I always tell people, you're gonna train with Frank. You gotta tap preemptively, like way before he actually gets it, because there's there's not a lot of times. Like he's a, you're a very powerful guy. You can you can twirl from zero to hundred faster than anyone else I know. And I think that's always been like one of those things where people, they like they're safer. It would be safe with me or Dave, so they're used to train with people that don't have that kind of power. And you're like, oh, I'm good, I'm good. And then you go and you surprise them with like something that you know, it's more. There's more power than than they would normally expect from most. Well, people. and I think too mentally, I've always been very enamored with submissions because I always felt like for hand to hand combat, they were the most. Uh, complete way to devastate somebody you know because I, I i came from a striking background my dad owned you know Kempo karate gyms and stuff and i've seen what you know hitting people is almost kind of like hitting a baseball there's a lot of uh a lot of art behind it too you know, it's not yeah. so much a science we're like well everybody you hit them here they fall down there's some people you hit them there and they just smile at you you're like well shit that didn't work <laughs> <clears throat> where the submissions and stuff i'm like oh I never look at it as a way of making a person tap, but to my mind, if I destroyed your shoulder, well, if the fight continues on, you have one less joint yeah. that's operating to be able to fight me off yeah. to eventually get to your neck. Because I've always felt that, like, well, there's nobody in the world that I've ever met in all my years of experience that you could put in a choke and they just sit there and smile at you. Like, all right, yeah, it doesn't yeah. work on me. Everybody needs blood to the brain, and when yeah. it ceases, they fall asleep. So that's why I've always, I think I've always been enamored with and, and drawn to submission fighting, jiu-jitsu specifically. Because it's like, well, it's the most complete way for one man without a weapon to fight another man without a weapon. And it's completely control it. Yeah. And I like the fact that you can, I always like how Jagaro Kano said, you know, like Randori, right? Because you could practice the same move harmlessly and the timing and everything is on it. It's going to be the same as you practice the lethal move. Uh, how many times you meet guys that tell you, like, well, I would just poke you in the eye. I'm all, all right, well, how many times have you practiced that? Yeah. Like, you know, if we're in a fight and your adrenaline dumps, shit hits the fan, and you're going to pull this maneuver off that you've never trained before. Yeah. Well, I know how to hit a single and take you down and pass your card and put you in the head and arm. I've trained that thousands of times against guys that aren't willingly allowing me to want me to take them down and choke them. So that's why I'm like, oh, it's a much more complete form of martial arts. 
you know, because of the fact that you can actually train it. And, and now it becomes either a harmless move or you let somebody go. Or, I mean, in, in a situation that's life or death, it's the most proficient way I know how to end someone's life. Yeah. You know, like, I know you for a long time, Frank, and you always say stuff like, you always make analogies, like what's the easiest way to get something done, the most intelligent way possible? Because you're known as a very powerful, strong guy. What, what I think the side of you that people don't get is how much of a brainiac you are as well when it comes yeah. to fighting, which I actually think is your biggest asset. It's not even the fact you're exceptionally gifted and like you know powerful. It's the fact that you are always looking at like, what's the easiest way to solve yeah. this problem, which is my definition of technique. My definition of technique is anything that minimizes effort maximizes outcome, yep. right? Uh, talk a little bit about that and like how did that mindset develop over time and because you are very tactical and strategical when you plan a fight and when you you know you prepare in general. Well, I just looked at it this way. <clears throat> Everybody likes to tout that you know the humans were the top of the food chain. You know, we're the number one animal in the kingdom. Most dangerous. You know, every time like people make those things like, oh, the most dangerous animal. It's just human. And if you look at us, we're hairless, we're clawless, we're toothless. We're not very intimidating. Yeah. You, know, right? yeah. you lock me in a cage with a chimpanzee, and he's gonna own me. You know what yeah. I mean? But then I'm like, well, how come the chimps in the cage? Why is it that I'm able to, you know, our humans are able to put tigers and lions and bears and, and, and imprison all those? It's like, well, it's because of our brain. Our ability to use tactics and strategy and to hack things and, <clears throat> and to find the easiest route to, to, to accomplish the most. So that's why, like, really early on in my life, I'm like, all right, I am physically stronger and faster than most people, but I'm still not on a scale of other animals, really that's not that impressive. If, I, if all I ever do is work my biceps, it's like, well, they're still never gonna be that impressive. A human at peak performance is still not really that impressive of an animal. Yeah. But a human who knows how to use leverage and mindset and strategy and tactics, well, now we are the top of everything. You know, yeah. like So that's why I've always influenced and tried to driven that more. It was a story my dad one time told me because my dad's huge into Zen. So a lot of, I like a lot of the philosophy. It was about these two samurais, right? And they're like, hey, you know what? You go west, I'll go east. And, you know, and we'll come back here in, in, in 20 years. That way we can learn 40 years worth of knowledge because you'll learn everything that's learned to the west of here and I'll learn everything that's learned to the east of here and we'll come back. Well, you know, 20 years later they meet at the, the, the edge of the bank and they notice that there's been heavy rainfall. So it's very swollen. Where they got to meet is on the other side. Well, the one samurai spent his whole life training physically to be fit and strong, and he has these powerful legs, and he jumps 20 feet across the river. Well, the other samurai goes and pays a nickel for the ferry to take him down. And that was the story. It's like, you basically spent your life attaining something that I can buy for a nickel. Yeah. You know, so the strategy there then shows how the other samurai, so I always wanted to be the second guy. Yeah. The guy that was always the smart guy. I go, okay, well, there's the hard way to do yeah. it, or there could be the easier way. To, to, to hack the system. You know? And I remember like a, an episode uh, we, we filmed a while ago with Kit Dale and he says something similar about a study that someone had made where people were spending 80% of the time to get 20% of results where efficient people would spend 20% of their time and getting like 80% more. I, I can't remember the exact math of how it went out but like it was something that and I find myself and it, it resonated with me because I feel like a lot of times I waste my time doing things that like this is not really getting me anywhere. And like sometimes I'll do like this much and they'll have huge results yeah. from it. Yeah, that's why I say in engineering, 
If you want to solve a difficult problem, give it to a lazy guy. Because a lazy person is going to find the easiest way, way to possible. do it. <laughs> I always make a joke to my wife. Yeah. She sits there. Yeah. This, and I'm like, I'm just lazy. I always, the joke I make is like, do you think that it, was a, it wasn't a lazy guy that invented the wheel? You know, like, it's got to yeah. be an easier way to do this. <laughs> 100%. People were carrying the stuff around. Probably right. Like yeah. Some fit guy lazy. was yoked up like, nah, man, we're going to carry it. And the lazy's like, fuck this, man. Let's, <laughs> you know, we make this thing round. We can drag it. We'll take yeah. twice as much stuff, yeah. <laughs> twice as easy. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and in a way, like, I think fighting is like that. Like, you're meant to look at the, you find the easy ways. Because I consider myself to be lazy in a good way. Like, I'm always, I'm like you, like, I'm trying to minimize effort. So a lot of times, like, for example, like, I teach this, this, this takedown off the wall. You guys see me teach it. Or I hit a knee or two on the wall off a, off a hook, yeah. right? And every wrestler I know is like, that's wrong. You hit you should not be there. I'm like, well, you got both your feet on the wall. You can't sprawl on me. And instead of picking you up or like fighting your hips, all I got to do is take a step back and pull your feet out. And it's effortless, right? And it takes a while for people to go like, because you're breaking tradition, you're not supposed to hit right. your knees. You know, but I, I think that this is such an underrated aspect of fighting where we ought to be looking for the easiest route, not necessarily the traditional route. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's why I don't like taking away like, I'm not a fan of watching people who use kind of like the Greg Jackson style of fighting where <clears throat> you're just point fighting, you know, learning how to pin a guy against a cage, take him down, eat up the clock, and win a decision by the judges, yeah. right? But at the same time, I feel like the onus is on the organization to make rules to where that can't happen. Because yeah. you can't tell people you can't find the weaknesses in the system because that's what humans inherently what we do. Yes. You know what I mean? Like you've seen it, I remember Rob and I didn't agree and now I'm actually on Rob's side with it. When Submission Only first came out, I was like, oh, this is the answer to people who just point fight. Who just, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll do one half a sweep and sit there and hold you down and now they win by advantage. I'm all, that's killing mixed martial arts. Jiu-jitsu, like that doesn't apply to real fighting. So you can be a world champion here, but it's not gonna apply over here because you're not really going for finishes, yeah. you're not going. And then Rob's like, well, no, you're gonna take away position. And then sure enough, he's right. Now I see guys, the submission only stuff, it could be as far from a real fight as possible. I'm yeah. like, well, you're never really gonna pull onto your ribs and just slide across the mat and only attack feet. I'm all, yeah. oh, well, shit, there you go, you're right. P humans are always trying to find and hack the system. And I like that attribute that we have, it's just trying to like, okay, it's not about, you know, like if I put on a jiu-jitsu tournament, I'm not mad if you figure out how to hack the rules. Yeah, it's my, it's on the promoter it's, to make better rules. It's yeah. on you to make better rules to avoid that from happening because yeah. humans are always going to look for the loophole. You know, we yeah. were talking about this podcast a while ago, but like it's such a great point because as a competitor, there are things about IBJF rules that I hate it. Like this makes no sense. This is a loophole in the rules. Now, when I competed, did I use that to win? Of course I did. <laughs> it yeah. sounds like you're a hypocrite. Like, no, I'm not a hypocrite. Like, there's two sides to Robert. There's a side of Robert that wants to see the best rule possible, and there's a competitor who just wants to win. Yeah, there's agree. no contradiction when you really think about it. It's like, you probably exploit, you know, tax loopholes. You may disagree with them, but do you people use them? Who doesn't? You know, like, everybody, if I can get away with this, why? It's legal. I'm not doing anything wrong. So, you're right. Like, it's always like, this is why, to me, the, 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 the structuring of the rules is such a fundamental aspect of where, what direction the sport is going to take. Well, yeah. and that mentality is actually how I am too, even when it doesn't benefit me. I see it, like when, when Trump came out and, and they're like, oh, 
the guy keeps declaring bankruptcy <clears throat> with his businesses on a business level and you know he goes and buys back the hotels he basically screws over the banks you know and then with his taxes you know the guy barely pays any taxes because he knows how to he knows how to manipulate the system and everybody's like oh he's an asshole for doing it i'm all that's not what I see. I see that, hey, the guy's smart enough to, to yeah. you know what I mean? Like, you put the system of rules there, and you're going to tell me that he's supposed to go on scouts on her. Like, well, yeah, I'm no, not going to take advantage of realistic. it that everybody else yeah. is. To me, it's like, well, fix the system. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, obviously, the system is fucked up. Yeah. Make it to where guys like Trump can't do what he's doing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. No, and it's, you know, like you said, you have to play the rules as they are. If you're mad about them, don't blame the player. Play the game, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Uh, well, and speaking of rules, where would you see, um, what would you change, or would you change anything about MMA and how it is structured? Because once again, the technique, the rules determine the direction the techniques will develop towards. They're always going to develop within that, that, that lane that the rules allow for. And we're always going to be on the verge of like what is allowed, but that's where development is going to come from, right? Within what the, 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 the lanes that the rules create. How would you change these lanes? How well, would you change the structure of the MMA? Actually, right now, the most recent incarnation of of, of of the judging system, I actually kind of like because they say let's let's go over effective damage over uh, position, right? And I agree with because to me, it's like look, if you take someone down and you mount them and you just sit there and hold them down, that's not really winning a fight. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yes, you're in position. Technically, you, you've done all the work to go ahead and inflict damage, but if you miss that one component, then it's pointless. And, I, and I, the reason why I think that's a good idea is because so many guys now, because they, they, they're always looking for loopholes in the system, previously in the past, <clears throat> the UFC became almost like a wrestling takedown competition. Yeah. You took someone down, you could sit there, I mean, I, I'd watch fights where a guy would get beat up for four minutes, and even the fans started thinking that that's how it should be. And then one guy would blast him with a double, take him down, get on top of him for the last 60 seconds of the fight. And he goes, oh, he won. I'm all, really? If you were watching a fight right now by out in the parking lot, would you really think that the guy with his face all busted up who got a takedown won the fight? And I, I like submissions. I'm a proponent of submitting somebody way before I say knock them out because I don't think knockouts are realistic in a real fight anyways compared to submissions. But that being said, I still don't like the idea of just... Well, well, now you're just playing the system. You're, you're, you're pinning a guy against the wall. You're looking, you're reading the referee, you know, like, you know, <clears throat> you're doing basically what, what, what Herb Dean will come over and go, action. And then you'll do just enough action, but you're really not trying to win. Yeah. So I guess always trying to make the rules to where you're trying to win. Um, I was a, a fan of in the past of trying to make it a point system. That's one thing that I, I, I never understood is why we're not allowed to know what the judges are thinking in between rounds. I think having the judges score the fight during the fight, like at the end of the round, I think the judges' scorecard should go up underneath the time. Or at least tell the coaches. Yeah. I think that's great. And because yeah. you're going to reward action more and you avoid, because there's a lot of people who think they're winning and then what they do, they start coasting, right? right. Yeah. And they, they hold that aggressively stalling, right? Like I'm holding you, uh, hitting a little holding. Yeah. But I like that aggressively stalling. Yeah. <laughs> Some people are really good at making yes, them look sir. like they're working hard when they're not, you know? But, I think if you're doing that, where you're actually showing score and, and you're putting points to things, now both fighters know exactly where they're at and who has to work harder to continue to win. Well, there's no ambiguity either. You yeah, know? and that's the thing. The reason why it's, there's ambiguity to it, right, is that judging is still subjective. Yes. You know what I mean? It's still, did you deem that that was a really hard punch or did you think that he just made contact? 
So each judge is, because it's subjective, <coughs> are different human beings. Yeah. So after the first round, I could sit there and go, wow, I'm punching this guy in the face and the judge does not think I'm winning. You know what I mean? Like you can make adjustments during the fight. Whereas afterwards it's like, well, I can now know what that judge wanted, but how do I, I know? I wish I knew. It's a, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, it's, you know, so it kind of tells you. And in other sports that are subjective, they do do that. Like if you think of like bodybuilding, which is extremely subjective. In between competition, they know who's leading by points and who's doing what because it allows them to make adjustments. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. I never thought about that, but that makes a lot of sense. Or at least tell the coaches, like, hey, by the way, this round was X and X. Well, right? you know I, I, that I, I don't even see the element for hiding it. Yeah. I mean, like, why? I mean, yeah. most places, I mean, unless it's a betting thing, I guess, most, you know, maybe if that's the situation, maybe cut it off not to the fans, only the coaches know. But I, I never got why, why, why we can't. Yeah, just, just tell people. No, I agree with you. I've worked as a judge, you know, in fights also. I'm not sure if you guys have. There is pressure to it, but I, and I think maybe some of it is to protect them because they, they don't know on the spot what to say. <laughs> like, there's some judges in the MMA that are notoriously terrible and they have a reputation for it. And maybe they don't want to actually, if they had to score every technique, some of them they don't even know what it is. It's easy yeah. to say 9 10. Yeah. Yeah, this guy won. All right. How? Well, he was on top. You know, <laughs> easy metric. But I think what you're saying is true because it's going to bring, it's going to force them to be more educated. Because yeah. they're going to have to defend, okay, why did you score this, this, and this? You know, and they're giving, you know, BS answers. And then it's easy, hey, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. He yeah. shouldn't be a judge. Right? Yeah, it lifts the rock up a little bit, I think. And, it, and, and which is like a whole, this is a whole podcast in itself, is like how the the people are elected to become, you know, a judge in an MMA fight. To me, it blows my mind that they think that, oh, you can't have former fighters or coaches there because they're going to be biased. And they solve the problem by bringing people that don't always have any experience. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, that's not a solution to anything, you know? No, it'd be like having... It's very common. Like, yeah, but it, it would be just like you are saying. You imagine in the Olympics, and instead of having actual, like, gymnasts who used to be yeah. judges, it's just like me and you. You get a plumber. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. You know, like, yeah, what the hell are we going to know? Like, you know? there to make the, that call. And it's crazy, but that happens a lot. And I feel that is a feature of martial arts for some reason, that promoters who have very... Either promoters or commission, or people that are in charge of creating these rules... They seldom have any competition experience. If and I see this a lot in the BJJ world, I see it a lot in MMA as well. The people who are in charge, if you dig, they don't have any martial arts experience. They're fans, which is you know I think it's you know if you understand you can understand the sport by watching in some ways. But the best way to create an intelligent rule set is to go to the fighters. Ideally, if they're not even fighting anymore, like hey man, well, how well, these loopholes? Like how do we close them? How what? Because the fighters ultimately are the ones who understand the rules best because their livelihood depends on it. So they have to explore those rules in, 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 a, in a way that other people just see them superficially. Like my, my, Mike Musumetz is set right here, and he's like pointing out the loopholes in ACC. And he goes boom, 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 boom. And he picks it apart because he thinks like a competitor, right? But like they never do that. They're always like, it's like a conversation they have amongst themselves. Yeah. And they don't always like bring in the fighters to join into that conversation, which to me is the obvious thing to do. I think that, you know what, we do too many things from MMA <clears throat> are really holdovers from boxing. Yes. Yeah. Carried over. And I think that back in the day, the idea of a boxer post-career going and becoming a judge probably was almost laughable, you know, because of the brain damage, you know, the economic background that the boxer probably had, you know, education-wise. But MMA is not that way now. Now you have guys that are college graduates that are, you know, MMA fighters that are now retiring that I think would make a much better judge. And any kind of, obviously, no system's perfect. 
any kind of argument that if there'd be, oh, well, you know, there'd be collusion with the guys because, you know, this guy trains at that gym and he might know. I'm like, well, you just mark down who you're, who, you know, just yeah. there would have to be some onus on the individual to be like, hey, look, we're going to have you, you know, do the DS uh, um, Masvidal fight. Like, hey, I can't judge that fight because me and Diaz, you know, I trained the same gym he trained. Yeah. You know what I mean? So keep some kind of separation that way. Yeah, but. and you have to do that anyways when you apply as a court. At least in, you know, in Florida, you know, you have to put as a coach or even if you're a judge, like, what are your biases? Like, do you have affiliations with anybody oh, like okay. a big conflict? So we already do that. So, yeah. That, yeah, I think they need to start pulling from a pool of guys that used to fight. Yeah, I wish they did that. And I think that would be a smart thing to do in MMA and BJJ. But it's not, you know, I guess there's like a stereotype too, and uh, maybe you can talk a little bit this, Frank, because it's a stereotype like if you're a fighter, clearly you're stupid. Yeah. Like, that's, I mean, it, I mean, if you're involved in a fight business, you know that's not true, but the stereotype does exist. You know, people yeah. go like, "Well, oh, clearly you're not very intelligent. That's why you're getting punched in the head for a living." Well, I think I think MMA is because of jiu-jitsu has thrown that on its head. Back in the day, you know, if you wanted to be a professional fighter, boxing, you know, you specifically because it's much older, right? Um, you usually came from a background of poverty. You know, it was a way of overcoming, you know, it yeah. was you know, like nowadays kids that come from shitty neighborhoods, they want to be rappers. Yeah. Well, back in the day, if you wanted to be, you know, if you came from a shitty neighborhood and you didn't have access to an education or, or, or opportunities that maybe somebody who was more fluent had, well, then you could always fight your way out of it. Yeah. So then I think that's why it became synonymous that, well, if you are a professional fighter, then you probably are educated because you, you, you know, why would anybody who had the opportunity to be a doctor or an attorney or an engineer, yeah. why would they choose to walk in and fight people? And I'm like, man, I, I just called fights in Tulsa where the, one of the competitors owns his own practice. He's a, he's a physician <laughs> yeah. and he's a professional fighter. Yeah. So to me, it's like the old ideas of, of, well, you know, you're not very intelligent if you're a fighter. I'm all, that guy writes prescriptions. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's a doctor. <laughs> they don't get much more, the standard of intelligence can't yeah. be much more achieved yeah. than this with that guy. You know what I mean? like, yeah, absolutely. I think it's also, I mean, you're absolutely right about the origins of the sports. In general, a lot of sports are like that too. Football, yeah. NBA. It's, a, it's Like you said, it's a shot of someone who doesn't have the opportunities as someone with more wealth, but just by pure physical ability and motivation can achieve high levels of success. But, uh, I think, particularly mixed martial arts, there's so much strategy involved because you have so many weapons that it does lend to somebody who's at least tactically a smarter person that they have to think about this. Because if you're just a knucklehead and you're just coming in there and trying to yeah. swing, you're not going to get too far. Well, you know we don't I mean? see those guys anymore. If you think about it, when's the last time you saw a guy? They go, shit, he doesn't know how to fight, but man, he's such a great athlete. I don't really know of anybody that I can yeah. give that moniker to. Now, on the flip side, I can point at guys that go, well, he's not a very good athlete, but he's so technical. Uh, Damian Maya, look yeah. what he was able to do yeah. in his UFC yeah. career. Damian is not a world-class athlete. You know? no. I mean, like, if you sit there and go, hey, we're all going to play a game of pickup basketball, I'm probably going to pick him last. Yeah. <laughs> like, but the guy, you know, knocked on the door of a title several times and, and had, you know, some, you know, I think we consider it a successful career. Yeah, yeah. A phenomenally successful career yeah, like, because of his ability to understand strategy and tactics and his mind is really what, you know, put him that far. You can't say the same on the athletic side. Yeah. You can't sit there and go, well, he's just a, he's a pure. Well, that's why I like martial arts much more than, you know what, sprinting is something, like, I, I'm impressed with the next guy I've seen that, but a lot of that doesn't impress me anymore because I'm like, 
there's nothing I can ever do. It's 90% genetics. Yeah, you're born that way. It's like, okay, Usain Bolt and I, yeah. he can decide never to train another day of his life. He can lay in bed all day, and I can go and train 12 hours a day, have the best doctors, best coaches, everybody around yeah. me, and I still can't beat that guy in a race. Yeah. I could put all the effort in the world, and he could put zero effort. Yeah. So sometimes when I watch that, I'm like, oh, to me, watching a sprint or a race or some athletic events, I'm like, basically, we're just measuring who's taller. Yeah, yeah. I was like, all right, well, you're taller than him. I'm like, okay, well, yeah. what did you have to do with you that? Were born, Nothing. You were born with incredible genes. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, did you yeah. see this marathon runner that just broke a record? Hey, he just ran under two hours, right? He ran a marathon in an hour, 59 minutes, 43 seconds, which is essentially a 4 minute, 33 second mile pace for 26.4 miles. For reference, Rob, the fastest mile ever run, I Googled this, was 3 minutes and 43 seconds. So this guy is a little like forty-seven seconds slower, more or less, than the best mile. Than the ever. best mile ever, but for about two hours. Wow. Which to me is ridiculous. I was trying to ask my, my girlfriend's a doctor. I'm trying to ask her like, how is this physically possible? You yeah. know, like I didn't think that they could run it that fast yeah. for that long because he's essentially doing a sprint. Like, for it's like a, I think uh, it's thirteen point three miles per hour. Most treadmills max out at twelve. You know what yeah. I mean? So it's like, it's ridiculous it's the pace that this guy has. But like you said, that guy obviously has a lot of genetics going from, yeah. besides the hard work and dedication. 100%. Yeah. Like, and yeah. I, I don't want to diminish, yeah. you know, I, I think that some sports are more physically dominant and others are more intellectually dominant. Correct. Yeah. I think fighting is a very mindset, psychology, emotionally, you know, charged sport than sprinting is. Oh, I'm nervous before a race. I'm like, not the same as getting punched in the face, you know. Like yeah. and, and 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 other aspects of it too. Like for example, heart. I think fighting uh, requires a certain level of heart that you know swimming doesn't necessarily care. I just don't. I don't. I yeah. think they're. That's why I know we're biased because we're all in the industry. Well, but like I, think, I can't think of anything more. But here, how to solidify your argument, right? Or to back you up. If I said, okay, pick the prototype body to be a welterweight. Mm -hmm. yeah. There is no prototype body. Yeah. There's guys like, well, that guy's tall and thin, and, and it lends to this style of fighting. Yeah. This guy's short and strong or pluggy, and this guy yeah. has great endurance. This guy doesn't have anything. He's just smart as shit. Like, yeah. you really, there is no, like, I can grab every champion and be like, well, what do they have in common? You're like, physically? Not a lot. Nothing, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, whereas if I can go to football or soccer and pick out my, okay, if you're going to have a striker or you're going to have a running back, what's the prototype yeah, body? A gymnast. We have a prototype that yeah. we can sit there and go, okay, if you're going to play linebacker in the NFL, you're probably not going to be five foot nine, 400 pounds. Like, that just does not exist. Yeah. Because that does not lend itself to the athletic ability that you need to play that position. Right. You know, we go to a football game and be like, okay, all the linebackers stand over there, all the linemen go over there. They tend to all look the same. Yeah. You're like, all right, well, the linemen seem to be built the same. You know what I mean? So there shows that the physical aspect of the sport has so much more weight and bearing on it than in fighting. Because, again, like, I mean, even in boxing, which is more selective of what aspects of physically attributes are important. But, I mean, like, what two boxers look the same? You know, oh. you can't sit there and go, okay, well, the perfect body style is a Pacquiao type. I'm like, well, what about Floyd's body style? Yeah, yeah. What about a guy who's long and loose, has great endurance, but no punching power? And this ties into something you said earlier about in the animal kingdom. Like, why is it that we are the most dominant species on the planet? It's not because we're fast and strongest, but it's it has to do, like, I mean, like, in certain environments, you would never outdo a lion or a bear. No. In the right environment, like, we're the king of the jungle, right? And in fighting, I really think that it is the best expression of the human ability to overcome because you are able through fighting to 
it's a combination of psychology, emotion, emotional control, physical ability, technique, and I I have a hard time finding other, um, you know, other uh, uh, skills or, 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 or professions in life that are as complete as fighting because yeah. you really get a little bit of everything. Man. Well, it's the most primal thing and yeah. necessary thing that we've had to do throughout history. I mean, to survive back in the day, it's fighting. Yeah. Either fighting for position, you're hunting, you're killing things. So yeah. like, there's nothing more animal than yeah. being able to fight. But and it's, I think it's also- human at the same yeah, time. Very it's human. exceptionally human. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I think the one thing that separates it, like you said, from other sports as well, is that there's so many tactics that you can employ Particularly with MMA, like you can win in a myriad of ways, yes. whether kicks, punches, knees, elbows, submissions, chokes, takedowns. So, like, that's why, like, you're saying, what's the ideal prototype? Well, it depends how you're gonna win. Yeah. You know, like you're a wrestler, you're short and stocky. You're a striker, yeah. John Jones, and, long and tall. And, and they've been shown all to work. Whereas when you have a sport that's simpler, like let's say like running, I mean, you sh once you master the stride and having a good gait, there's not much else to it. It's just now. Physical performance. How much yeah. more can he squeak out of the body? Born with. Yeah. You know, the other way I thought about the two to explain that, that how much more mindset is involved. You know, battle of the sexes is probably you know women's rights and feminism, the Me Too movement, and just you know women being equal to men is probably again it's the forefront of, of everybody's uh, conversation nowadays. I have a much. I saw something the other day where Serena Williams, who one of the best female tennis players of all time. She warmed up with a guy who was 200th. Yeah, I remember this. He murdered her. Yeah. It wasn't even close. Like, basically, they that's were shocked. And that's they were tennis. shocked that she scored one point yeah. on the guy. Yeah. Like, they're like, that he gave up a point, I guess, was like, the, they're like, wow. And he's like, we don't even know his name. He's never going to be anybody. Yeah. Now, I thought about that for a second. Like, that shows you even tennis how physical attributes are really so much more important. If I grabbed right now the greatest female fighter, if I said, hey, Valentina Shevchenko, right? And I got the 200th ranked guy in her weight class to fight her. The walk in the park. Right. And it's not an insult. It's just, it is what it is. But I actually think it'd be closer than this tennis match would be. I think so. I the think tactics be, will yeah. be more important. Yeah, right? I think. Yeah, the, the because the technology will make up for that. Yes, you're right. because there's so much more technique involved in our sport and strategy. I think she would have a closer gap than Serena had with. And, because and, you're not competing purely physical with the guy now. Now if the guy goes and lowers his head. I mean, hey, a guillotine's a guillotine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? If I wrap your neck the right way, you know. And that's tennis too, which is to me, like it's not the best display of human athleticism. Like sprinting to me, right? Like, it's much or powerlifting or gymnastics to me is like that is the ultimate. Well, it makes you wonder: is there really a difference between a like, female and a male brain? Because right. we keep people keep telling me that they're like, well, in our brains we're the same. I'm like, well, that makes no sense. A female, her genetic, if you believe in genetic evolution, right, biology, right, there's a reason why a man has developed the way he developed because, you know, obviously through evolution, if, if a trait was beneficial, it survived. And yeah, was, yeah. you know, well, you're telling me that the mindsets didn't change either? Like the priority yeah. for a female isn't there? Yeah. And, I, and I, I was reading a book on uh, um, uh, nonverbal communication, right, just on how to read people and talk just because, you know, you do business. 50% is not even what you're saying, but what, you know. Yeah, how you're saying it. How you're how saying it, right? Yeah, your yeah. physical, you know, expression. And it was saying how women, in fact, I, I read this like 10 years ago. And since that day, people sometimes think I'm funny because I bring my wife with me to almost any business meeting. Yeah. And as the guy's talking to me, because I'm shitty at reading people. And I never realized that my <laughs> wife is really good at reading people. And then. Women are so much better at but that. But it was explained yeah. in the book. It said that, hey, 
men, we're not supposed to read people. We're off out in the woods hunting, gathering, yeah. or doing whatever the hell we had to do. A woman is home with the infants or babies. For most of our evolutionary history, that's right? been the case, yeah. And they can't talk. Yeah. So if there was something wrong with that baby and it needed to communicate, the women that were better at reading what their child needed, obviously the child probably has those same genes and was able to pass them on because they survived. So it was saying something like, it's like, and, and I'm probably murdering the stat, but it was really a drastic difference. So basically, like, our brain has three to five different sections that is using to read people. A woman's brain's like eight to 13 different yeah. parts. That's why they're better. All the time I'll sit there and like, we're having a conversation like, wow, I really like that guy. Like, hey, Jen, what'd you think? She goes, he's a scumbag. He'll get you off. <laughs> and they're right nine out of 10. Too. No, yeah. my wife's 100 for 100. So far, she's never been wrong. Like, there's times where I have fought with her. I'm like, you are absolutely wrong on this one. And then all of a sudden, like a month later, I'm like looking at my phone and going, fuck. <laughs> God that's damn it, she's right again. That's a, that's a good advice. Bring your wife with you to business. Women are good at reading They're people. They're really good at reading people. Intentions, body language, But see, now, yeah. now that's how I think that's the future. That's, that's the right mindset to have. I don't think my wife's better than me. I don't think I'm better than her. We're just like, you know what I mean? It's like, it, it, we're a tribe. It's like a team sport, right? Yeah. Like, she has certain attributes that make her better at certain aspects of the game than mine. So guess what? We're a team. Hey, you know what? You're better at this than I am. You do it. Yeah. But all, there's a big bear in the backyard. I'm like, oh, okay, well, fuck. I got a better chance of winning than you I got a better chance of winning this than you do. Let me yeah. grab the rifle. I like yeah. guns. I like to shoot shit. I'll, I'll go kill the bear. Yeah. I'm not going to sit there and go, let me take care of the baby and you go kill the bear. You know what I mean? Like, but it's, it, we're living in a world where like what you just said, it's, it's, but it's kind of like reality, biological reality got flipped on its head and it's supposed to be like, no, no, the woman should be able to kill the bear. I'm like, not, you but know, why? But, I mean, going back why, again, like why, why swim why? upstream? You know? yeah. yeah, why it goes against my martial arts mind, yeah. where I'm like I'm always looking for the easiest way to accomplish the most, right? How can I, you know, you know, like if I'm using a wrench on a tire, I'll put a pipe on the outside of the wrench to extend my lever. Yeah. Oh, I can use less strength, or I can use the same amount of strength and get that much more result out of it. So when people tell me, like, well, women are going to do this now, and men are going to do this, I'm like. That's just not as efficient. Man. Yeah, just, like, but, why? Like, yeah. what? Well, my part of my brain yeah, is going. I, if I was better at it, then I will do it. But if my wife's better at certain things than I am, then I'm like, well, will you do it? You know, my wife's much more organized than I am. She does the whole schedule. I guess I could sit there and put. I'm the man of the house. I'm going to make the schedule. It's going to be a shitty schedule compared to hers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, she's so much more forethought behind everything. And, and I, I get, I get right. some of it because, like, I told you, my girlfriend's a doctor. She's a psychiatrist. So you know. Women being doctors is not really a common thing. It's starting to now, but like if you look back maybe like 100 years ago, women oh, doing yeah. like highly skilled, uh, educated professions was not as common, you know? So I get from an intellectual standpoint where a lot of women feel like, oh, you know, we were held back because of unfair biases. I don't believe in denying opportunities, but yeah. I, I do believe in evaluating people's performances 100%. Like, yeah. I'm totally against there being two physical standards. It makes no sense to me. If you're a firefighter, and, and, and I deem that yeah. for you to be a firefighter, you got to carry a 50-pound sack up two flights of stairs. I don't even know if that's a requirement. I'm just yeah. you know, using this example. You can't sit there and go, well, the woman has to only do 30. Yeah, no, no, that's horseshit. Well, yeah. Why? Yeah. You're telling me in a life-or-death situation, is the hose she's going to grab lighter? Is there a female... Okay, well, it's a woman. We'll have a woman host. All yeah. to be politically correct. All to no, be politically yeah. correct. Yeah. I've had experience with this in yeah. a lot of ways, too, because I, I worked at a nuclear power plant at one point, and uh, I was a field operator, and you have to carry... That's an interesting life. <laughs> yeah. You, you have some crazy, like, uh, they call it like, torque wrenches. They're like giant, like, 50-pound wrench. And I remember there was a woman. It was, like, a bunch of Navy dudes. It was a bunch of guys, and there was, like, two girls that were really tiny, maybe, like, 100 pounds. 
And the guys that are doing that are probably physical work for them. Well, no, no. The thing is, they're applying for the job, but it's like, can you carry this torque wrench by yourself? Because otherwise, you're a liability now. Yeah. You know what I mean? And likewise, in, in, in jobs that are very physically demanding, it's not realistic, right? So, like, the, I think sometimes they've stretched. I think mentally, yes, men and women can be equal. And women can be better, right? Yeah. I, and I think those type of biases are, are not good. I think the physical biases, though, are definitely real right we can't pretend they're not like when we say like oh a man a a woman could do anything a man can do physically it's like eh, you're you're stretching the boundaries a bit you know physically it's not a debate the the mindset is harder to grasp because you can't measure in the same way you can measure power you know that's why you just put out a standard and whoever like look my daughter is a one percent of what females are capable of doing yeah she's the pinnacle of what a female athlete you know i mean like i go to the gym i lift with her she lifts as much as all the boys right now in her age group lift she's one of the strongest girls in the gym that's not going to continue to be the case as they enter puberty and testosterone fills their blood right yeah. but if you put together a standard go, okay we well, got to do eight pull-ups bella can do eight pull-ups yeah. i don't think we should lower the standard are you going to get a lot less female applicants into certain positions yeah you know it's just the way it is yeah. you know like um, i'm sorry but like there's a physical standard there's some guys out there that can't do eight pull-ups yeah do i should i feel bad that i'm discriminating or are you going to be like well go to the gym figure it out you know yeah. no, I agree find a you. way to you know to lift You're like well i was only born with one hand i should have the same opportunity i'm all not for this type of position i'm sorry yeah you know what i mean like i, I think i'm not gonna discriminate but you got to figure out a way with one hand yeah. to do the pull-up yeah you, know you gotta i think what you're saying performance evaluation is what should be yeah, determined should be based on what job you should do not because everybody should get the the same well that, and that's I, truly just, the me yeah. movement if you want to be equal 100 percent, then but then at the same time on the backside take an easy route it's like well do you want it to be equal or not uh, yeah. Do you yeah. want to be on the same playing field, or uh, do you want to do you want to handicap? Otherwise, you're discriminating backwards. You're changing the standard by creating privilege, essentially. Oh, I only have to do five pull-ups, not eight. Well, you're not, creating. You're doing exactly the opposite of what you claim to be doing by fighting for equal rights. You're changing the rights wow. you're by changing the expectations. Yeah, like no, I'm very like pro said, police officer, but I don't agree. Like I feel like the standard should be out there for a female. Should be the same for male. Are there women out there that could kick ass? Absolutely. There's a few out there. I'm not saying there's yeah. not, but out of the majority, just like you know, there's certain. Are there guys out there who are pale who can run it under you know a 10 second 100 meters? Yeah, there's not as many that are from Jamaican ancestry though. Or they tend to be faster sprinters. And yeah. I'm not being a bigot or a racist by pointing out that like, well, certain physical attributes seem to come from certain cultures or certain you know makeup. Yeah. Then that's fine, you know. What I mean, like, it, just, it is what it is. But trying to sit there and make up rules to fight it, to me, yeah. Yeah. biology, yeah. biology can't be biased. The truth can't be biased. Like, yeah. if it's something that is, if it is scientifically backed up, you're angry at the facts and you're shooting the messenger. Why? I mean, you can if you want. It's a free country, and I and I think that people ought to express themselves. But like, you're basically, you're in denial of the facts. Yeah. You know, and and it's just. I think when it comes to physical and athletic ability, it's so easy to demonstrate this. It's not even a debate. Well, what when about it comes to psychological what... side, it's it's more complex. But well, there's a lot more malleability when it comes to you know human. But psyche. even that, and when it comes to combat, I don't think the average woman has even the right mindset for it. If you think about it, like look at chess. Yeah. Chess is there's no physical expression whatsoever. Yeah. You can be, you know, a Hawkins in the in a chair, yeah. you know, and play chess, right? It's mind, yeah. It's totally the most I mean the most mental version of combat I can think of. Yes. It's a male 
own sport. Yeah. I don't know of a single female world champion. They have one that beat Kasparov, but it's like she's the exception to the rule. The, but the they Indigo, have, right? yeah, well, yeah, I can't remember. No, she's European, I think, but she's, I think she's beaten Kasparov before. But it's it is the exception. So, and it does, rule. it happens. Just but like it's exceptional. I, I always yeah. say, like there are other Bellas in the world. Yeah. You know, my daughter, right? Yeah, but yeah. but she is far and few yeah. well, between. Well, know? they have male and female categories in chess. So I think men are more strategical when it comes to these things. In well, general, not as a rule. Because you got to be careful when you say this because you're going to find the one woman who proves well, you wrong. Like, we're talking about patterns and average here. We're not well, talking like, about single cases. If we go into most men's household, the ability to raise children, right? That maternal, I take care of a child women tend to get to it a lot yeah. easier than most men. Now, not that I can't find a guy out there that's Mr. Mom of the Year and mm. the most amazing guy, but on average, if I grab 100 random dudes and 100 random girls, I go, okay, make sure this child lives until next week. <laughs> <laughs> the women are going to be better. Well, the women are better at it. They're like, well, did you feed him? They're like, oh, fuck, he eats food? <laughs> Guys will be I in forgot. the back like, like, dude, yeah. cut the power so the PlayStation turns off, man. Fuck. <laughs> you just think it's like you're. I feel like you're describing every relationship on the planet. It's exactly we're so like mindless when it comes to yeah. stuff. It's like, well, yeah, to eat, like, yeah, you don't you, you forget it. You don't think about it, man. Like you're busy living in your little world. And I'm so bad at communicating. I just got yelled at for coming here. Right, my, I jumped out of bed when I saw the text. Right, I was like, oh fuck. And my wife said, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I, I, I, I gotta go real quick." I told Robin to meet him at noon. She's like, "Why didn't you tell me first? I'm like, <laughs> Because when I was talking to him, I didn't think about it. <laughs> I'll take a picture when I get there. I'm not up to no good. I just forgot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, whereas Jennifer, like, I'll, I could tell you, like, okay, I know we're going to the pumpkin patch later today at 6 o'clock, and I know who's going to be there because of her. You know, yeah. her organizational skills of... of, of oh, 100%. Yeah, 100% man. It's like, uh, yeah, I think, like, just wrapping that up, Everything I think should be judged based on the performance. Performance, yeah. Not I agree. on any other metric. Not like yes. what your 100%. skin color is, male, female, whatever. You know, yeah. where you come from. That doesn't matter. If you could do the job, we want you, right? Yeah. And like I don't care. Like, like you know, I have my own business and whatnot. I don't care what the person like looks like or what they believe in. If they know how to do the job well, both I want you guys own businesses, yeah. right? Here's the one stereotype or one thing that I I personally call bullshit on, right? Uh, but I'm gonna come off such as a misogynist asshole on this show. <laughs> I love my daughter, I swear to God. And you're a great dad, by the way. I know Frank personally. He's an outstanding father. Right, when people sit there and go, women yeah. only make 77 cents on the dollar of what a man makes doing the same exact job. And I sit there and go, that's not fucking possible. Because yeah. business owners ship jobs overseas to save fucking money. Yeah. So I'm telling you right now, like, hey, you could hire me for 10 bucks an hour, or you can hire my daughter for $7.70 for a dollar. Yeah. Who are you gonna hire as the business owner? Yeah. You mean you're gonna be so pro-man that you wanna pay somebody 30% more just so you can say you put a man in that position? That's nonsense. It's nonsense. It's, yeah. it's, from a business perspective, it doesn't even make sense. If you were a business owner and you had a group of people yeah. that you could pay a third less you're hiring all those people, yeah, yeah. especially when it's like, and, well, you, and you, Americans are fiercely patriotic, and our jobs are where are again well, in China, like our biggest yeah. competitor. Like we know China's our biggest competition on the global stage. Everyone knows this, right? They're about to do the U.S. in terms of the, you know, the, the size of the economy. They're a few years away Look from doing it. Look how much control they have right and now. And we sent all those jobs over to China. That's how little I American business I think there's been a puckering factor right now because look at the NBA. Look at right now Blizzard. Yeah. I don't know. If yeah, teaching, yeah, right? yeah, I saw that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Blizzard is owned has a partial ownership uh, of Chinese company, I think Tencho or whatever. Anyways, one of their players said something against in, in support of the Hong Kong uh, protests. Uh, protests yeah. Right? He has a twelve month ban. 
He can't play his sport. Could you imagine right now if you had a jiu-jitsu competitor who came out and said, hey, I'm pro Hong Kong or pro China, whatever, but then because the company, the jiu-jitsu tournament, or F, the IBJJFF or F says, dude, he's suspended for 12 months. That would show there's a huge influence that this yeah. China would have over yeah. you. And you're seeing it in the NBA. One of their coaches said something. And, and the NBA, they don't want to get a civil rights lawsuit, so they're not going to do anything to him. But they've had to, like, apologize, cut games, because China, you know, NBA, same thing with, with if you look at Disney, the if you look at how much money movies make in China, our whole Hollywood, everybody's bending over backwards to the Chinese to not offend them. It's like, well, hold on, it's, it's a communist country, guys. Yeah. You're not allowed to have free speech over there. And now yeah. because we have business ties with them, we're not allowed to have free you speech either. You see American capitalism bending over to the size of the demographics yes. and the population in China. I never saw that impact their business. Yeah. The Disney's business is severely impacted by what China Oh, it think. showed, I mean, it was a good chunk of money. I mean, I forgot what movie they use as the example that basically made like 900 million here it made like 650 million over in china so you're talking it isn't it's, like it's a drop a in the bucket portion of their market yeah. but now all of a sudden they're allowing china to 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 dictate their 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 speech so freedom. long story short business decisions are based off of finances not yeah. off of politics and political like people think political yeah. has a plays a role there but like if you're a businessman you're hiring based off of performance exactly that's what i i mean i i own a business i prefer to hire women because i think they're more organized <laughs> most of my employees they're more they are more organized 100 percent, you know but do i put a chick to teach class in front of a bunch of men i think that rarely works i've seen it work we have one of our schools in mexico do you know what i think she does she teaches in front of a bunch of guys and it works she's a good leader but it's the exception like yeah. again we're talking what Average. You gotta stick to that. Whenever right? I watch James Bond, that's one movie where I call total bullshit on. If James Bond is real, if we yeah. have a super agent, super spies in the world, they're all female. <laughs> yeah. They're not males. Because if I have to send someone in, men are dumb when it comes to pussy. <laughs> we can't see that coming from, I, It's like, hey, that's dangerous. You're like, well, I don't know, but she's kind of hot. <laughs> but it's funny. I teach this to my children. Cage, right? Cage yeah. just turned 14, and he kind of has this girl he likes, and he's been kind of making, you know, like, well, I don't want to go here. I'd rather go here and so he can see her. Yeah. So he's making choices based off it, and I get it, and I told him. But I said, hey, Cage, if you want to be, you know, I'm always trying to tell my kids how to be better than me. Yeah. Like, here's, a st here's what I've achieved in life. Please let that just be the bar you want to jump over. Like I don't yeah. want. You're not allowed to accomplish less than me. You know what I mean? It's either the same or more. Or I failed as a father. And uh, I, I tell Cage, you want to know? Like if you want to know right now, your greatest weakness? It's your penis. It's because you're a man. It's your greatest weakness. Especially that, at that age. He's just well, starting to get everything all age. in. Yeah. Trump had that one secretary that was helping him, and she's giving information out to the people. It's because she was cute. She worked for two years under him for a year and a half it was because she was hot and here she had like no ability to keep her fucking mouth shut in a bar yeah. you know spilling out information and he had news you know people were telling him hey she's a fuck up because she was hot he allowed her to stay but then on the flip side i tell that to bella i'm like so bella i'm like do you see now your brother's greatest weakness she goes yeah i'm like so i told cage what is it he goes my penis, right? I'm like, so Bella, what is a man's greatest weakness? You know, so for Bella to yeah. become, I know this sounds 
diabolical, I guess, but I'm teaching my children how to be manipulative in the future and how to take advantage of people if they need to. Survive in the jungle. Yeah, yeah, because they're going to fucking screw you over. If you find a good person, great. You found a good person. But until you know they're a good person, let's just treat them like we don't know yet. Keep your guard up. Keep our guard up. And so Bella learning like, Bella, you can manipulate. I see the richest, most, you know, intact businessmen Totally blown yeah. over by and, women. And it's really like Bella's such a sweetheart too. I don't feel like people when they're too kind. They Bella's have to extremely have, kind. Yeah, so you, yeah, you have to really like, hey, keep your hands up. Yeah. I tell my daughters the same thing. Uh, keep Bella, your hands Bella up is completely going to have to be in cage too. Ronan, I think, is a little bit more savvy because he's you know the, the, the baby of the family. But those two kids, like, yeah, like someone can come over and take advantage of them because my right. children aren't around animosity or anger yeah. or you know just people that are unhappy with their life i mean i've ended friendships with people because their children are the same age as mine and they have a shitty household and i could sit there and go i don't want your kids around my kids yeah it's like, a bad influence i, really I, like, I feel yeah. the exact same you know what I mean? like, your children are not them. like my children i kiss and love on my kids your kids need a hug you know what i mean and they're angry and they're going to take it out of my kids and i don't want that you know so yeah. no we'll separate you know? well that's your job as a parent too is precisely to guide and guard your children until they're until they're old enough to do that for themselves right yeah it's the ultimate job um frankly just like switching gears a little bit i want to like what is it going back to your just uh i think it's like an, an, i really want to because like i know we've had this discussion in private meeting many times but i like to have it you know for for our listeners um what how do you feel like what do you what is your mindset walking into fights like what is emotionally how do you deal with it because this is something that competitors and fighters deal with and i feel that you've always dealt with it exceptionally well but i know that you're human too you know you've yeah. always with i mean because we're friends you've always shown your human side to me as well you know i've no like hey i'm super tough guy i'm always you know i'm you know i'm never nervous or scared or anything like that you, would you mind talking about your weaknesses <laughs> and strengths when it comes to you know, it's funny because I, I tell people this all the time, especially dealing with fear. I am very much of a pussy. You know what I mean? Like, I don't like pain. I'm not the kind of guy that's, oh, we're going to do this. I'm like, that bugs me. I don't want to yeah. do that. Like, that's why actually I learned how to fight because I'm like, oh, I want to control myself, my own mind, and learn how to leverage my ability to the best. Of, you know, everybody goes, you know, torturing. I'm like, everybody has a breaking limit. Some people more than others. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, martial arts to me is a way of me controlling my mind. And, and really, it's simple as this. I just try not to project too far into the future. When I'm backstage in a locker room, I try not to. And I, I say I try not to because I still do. I'm like, oh, what if I lose? What if I win? But those are thoughts when they enter my mind that stress me the fuck out. They do. My heart rate jacks up. I'm sitting there going, oh, shit, you know. Cortisol goes through the roof. Yeah, so yeah. that I feel like I'm heavy. My legs filled with lead. I'm like, oh, my God. So what I do is I just try to avoid that. I'm like, all right, when we come out and touch hands, what do I know most likely my opponent's going to do? I'm like, all right, well, you know, he's going to start moving around. He likes to move to his right to set up his right hand. Okay. And then what are the three most common things he does from there? Well, if I give him an aggressive stimulation, he's going to fire off this. If I give him a, a neutral stimulation, he's going to do this. If I start moving away from him, this is what he's going to do. And I just start making it a math equation. X, Y, Z. It's like, all right, if you do this, I'm going to do this, do this. And I get lost in that because to me it's positive way to control my mind because it can't, you know, when people say empty your mind, I'm like, it's impossible. Yeah. I can only fill my mind with something else. Yeah. So I fill it with positive thoughts that are helping me. So now I'm using visualization on 
okay, the guy shoots on me. First thing I'm going to do, I'm going to turn the corner, hit a wizard, put pressure on the head. If he pops up from that, I'm going to bring my inside leg over and maybe I'll grab the neck. If I feel like he's going to cross over my guard, then I'm going to post and neck push. You know what I mean? Like I, I have, I have a, a series of things I'm going to run through and that's what I'm going to fill my mind with. Not fill my mind with, what if I lose? What if I win? Because I really yeah. can't control that. And that's what I notice makes me the most stressful. So when I zoom off into my thousand mile stare, a thousand yard stare, that's where I'm at. That's for me just breaking down like, okay, I'm fighting Roy. You know, when he sets his feet, I know the overhand right's coming or possibly 20% of the time it's going to be an uppercut. Either way, it's going to be on these lines. I know which line I have to go to. And then immediately when I'm in that line, what power do I have? Well, my left hand will be charged. I can have a straight left or an uppercut, depending on where his head is. Okay, so now as I'm slipping the right hand, I'm looking to see how far down his head goes. Is it uppercut time or is it a straight left time? You know, and that's how I feel and, my brain. And with. here's my next, because like, I, I knew you were going to go in this direction. This is where I wanted to have this discussion with you. To what ability, because like, some people seem to really struggle we spoke to, like, I mean, me and Dave spoke about this. Um, we spoke about this in private before. Michael Musumez, which he said the exact same thing, is this ability to, like, because you can't get rid of it. No. What you can do is, like, focus on the mission. Yep. How do you feel, like, do you think some people have a harder time than others, or is this just something we're all equal on and some people just need more practice, or something really, maybe they have a predisposition to allow their emotions and fear, doubt, and anxiety to take over control over their thoughts and they have, they just have this inability to switch that off and, you know, like, let's focus on the mission. Well, I think that if everybody's attached to it, it makes everybody nervous. And I really feel like the only solution is to, as you said, you know, what was the word expression? Predisposition? No, the mission. You, you focus on the mission. Focus on the mission. I like that. I'm, I'm going to use that phrasing from now on. Because a lot of people, and this is what I used to do too. I used to be so overwhelmed by the emotions of walking out in front of thousands of people, winning and losing, there's the end of the world, you know, what could happen, that I actually did the worst thing possible, which is I became unattached. So that's why people say that you watch me walk out to a cage, I almost looked like I was turned off. I was turned off. I was completely like, I don't care if I win or lose, it doesn't matter. You know, almost like a Nietzsche type, you know, like, look, we're all fucking walking corpses anyways. You know what I mean? Like, what does it really matter? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And so I became unattached, which then that doesn't drive you. It doesn't focus you. It doesn't give you a, a, a reason for succeeding and trying to storm. You're basically becoming a reactionary individual. Like, okay, as the situation comes, I'll deal with it. And that does sometimes work, you know, as being a reactionary. But I think it's much always a, a huge improvement or much more preferable to be proactive. And, and fill my mind with positive things. And then the other th reason why I found that it was so useful is that I became really proficient at doing maneuvers. I've been in the back locker room and guys have shown me, uh, do this. And I've looked at it and pulled it off in the fight. And people are like, how the hell do you do that? I'm like, well, I thought about it probably about 10,000 times in that two hour period that I had. And I remember when you fought Nogueira for the first time, and you dropped him with that lead, uh, that up jab. The, what do you call that funny jab? Yeah, the up, yeah, yeah, up like, jab. A long up and cut, yeah. you, you learned it, what, two weeks before the yeah. fight? And someone showed it to you. I remember someone showing you that combo, and you, you really liked it. And I knew, I know you didn't drill it because I was part of the camp. You barely drilled it at all. Yeah. But I know that in your head, you went over that move a million times when the situation presented itself. Yeah. And that's why you were able to do it. And that's because in, you can go and your wife could tell you the psychology. Yeah. My brain, when I when you visualize something and you run it through, and then you have a memory of actually doing something, 
your brain really has a hard time of telling the difference yeah. between did you create that image or did you actually do, do that? Yeah. And so I'm like, I take it. Well, the neural pathway was created. So I take advantage of setting up that neural pathway and the more times I can fire that signal off, because what I read, I learned really early on, okay, the, two, the synapses between two axons, right, that neural pathway, what makes it stronger? Well, the more times it fires. Well, my physical attributes are finite. I can only throw a straight left or that right uppercut. How many times can I drill it before my shoulder's on fire, my hips are burning? Not that you don't physically drill it, but I could drill it in my brain. I could sit there and drive in a car. Okay. And I pull over, and my wife always says it to me. She's so, she only recently pointed that out to me. I don't talk in the car. She goes, you know how off-standing it seems to be in a car with you? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like drilling. I'm drilling in my head You're constantly. Yeah. I, yeah. All kinds of shit. Like, okay, I get rammed by a car. Two guys get out with guns. What do I do? And then I like have scenarios, and I'm just constantly running through my head. Okay, the kids are with me. The kids aren't with me. I have access to this gun. I don't have access to this gun. You know what I mean? Like I'm constantly drilling in my brain. I'm not, yeah. not the only one. I I don't drive with music in the car. It's always, I don't either. Yeah, it's always silent, and everybody's like, "What's wrong with you?" I'm like, "No, man, I'm thinking." Yeah, this, this is my thinking. I get lost time. in my thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> so I notice my kids are the same people now. They sit in the car like this, and just a couple times I've been like. Say, how was school? You're like, good. I'm like, all right, good. I'm like, shit, we're having a... <laughs> I mean, not that they don't come to me and have great conversations, but I can see, too, yeah, they're, they're just meditating. lost. Yeah, they're in their own head, too, because they're mimicking me. It just constantly just, you, just, you know, there's... Uh, fuck, man. I tell my wife that. She goes, are you okay? Everything wrong? I'm like, yeah, why? I'm like, man, there's a fucking party going on in my yeah, head, dude. Yeah. Like, dude and always, there's I a lot of noise. Lot, and I daydream. People that know me make fun of me all the time because I cannot meditate like that, what we're describing, and not make facial expressions. And talk, I move my mouth. Oh God, I do it too. And I'm doing, and I'm filing full on conversation. My wife asked me, "What were you just thinking about right now?" I'm like, yeah. "Why?" It's just, get, your your nose like snarled up, you know. Yeah. Like, no, I, I literally sometimes like I'll like I'll make like oh, facial yeah. expressions of what's going. It's, I do the same thing. Yeah, it's an expression of what's going inside my head, and I get angry. I used to not care when people interrupted me. Now I'm like, shut the fuck up. I'm in my zone here, man. Like, don't. It's like you know you're really focused on something, and they yeah. want to pull you out of your zone. I'm like, no, man. Let me leave me in my zone. I'm happy here. So you must do this too, because I do this all the time. I'm the worst person to drive with. Like, you have to be on me while you're driving. Or I drive around in Vegas, even like to come to your house right yeah. now. I know where you, you lost. Yeah. I have to set my directions. Yeah. Because otherwise, I'll pass the exit and just keep on going. I've driven places where I'm like. Where the fuck am I? Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh my God. Like, I'll come hey, back to reality. You should take that as a compliment. Like, great minds, it's, it's a feature of great minds. <laughs> it really is. If you get so distracted, like Adam Smith would literally, he was known for walking uh, for hours on end and then, like, not knowing where he was when he stopped walking. Yeah. Because he was thinking economics. He yeah. was out of it, just walking, and then he'd come back, get home, and write down his thoughts. Yeah. You know, and I think that some of the best ideas and the best moments I've had with myself. We're completely by myself, living inside my own head. Yeah, I'm so happy in there. So people, like, people pull me out of that. I'm almost like angry. I'm like, why did you pull me out of Disneyland, man? Because in my head, it's like the happiest place in the world. Like, you know? Yeah, it just goes. We talked about the other day visualization, the power of it. And obviously, you're doing a lot of it, and it's just so big. Like, I don't know anybody who's achieved great things without seeing it here first. You know? Yeah. And it's exactly. Hundred percent. Yeah. I think what you said was the the really drives the point home. Whereas. Physically, you can only do something so many times. Yeah. Mentally, like you said, it's infinite. It's just amount. It depends on your patience. Like how how much time are you willing to dedicate to practicing that in your head? A lot of people are lazy, or they just don't see the value in it, and they don't put the time. And it shows, you know, because then they can't perform the same way that they do in a more stressful situation because they haven't lived it enough. Yeah. 
Well, and that's the thing. The only time that I feel that like it's very important for me to physically drill something is if I can't feel it in my head. Mm. You know what I mean? Like there's certain... I can sit there and talk about grabbing a guillotine while someone, I'm in their half guard. I can feel being there. I can feel them shifting my weight over. I can feel them fighting my leg down. But like there's certain like, you know, for me to butterfly sweep someone into that 411, yeah. you showed it the other day, I can't feel it in my brain. Like I can't really, I, yeah. I, I'm like sitting there going, you, you know what, I can't feel it. Now I've repped it a couple times, but still haven't repped it enough that I can feel it in my head. So my development on that move has been fucking Dude, at one percent. So far, whereas my that. reverse guillotine, my development to switch off to a Dars, my timing's increased. I've only had to do it a couple times, but in my brain, I'm constantly doing this. When I feel a guy push my hips away, I know his arm is. I can feel your elbow getting closer to your head as you're trying to defend the guillotine, and now my arm's shooting across through the that. Dars. I can feel my hand on my bicep even without me being there. Yeah. Whereas certain moves it's I can't so feel. It's so funny you say that because it's exactly how I've always felt. Like there are moves that came to me. If I, I have a correct, if I can close my eyes and I can see myself in the whole sequence, I'm gonna be good at that move. Yeah, there's certain it. things I cannot see myself doing. Like I cannot see myself pulling off a hip throw. I've been doing jujitsu for 22 years. I've yeah. never thrown anyone off my hip ever. If I close my eyes and I try to see myself doing a hip throw, I cannot make that connection. And I, and as a result, I suck at them. But like a guillotine and a dart. My brain I knows never, my own limitations. Yeah, I never drilled them a day of my life. Not once did I drill a guillotine, and it's just like. It just came to me naturally. Like even things that I physically could teach somebody and I could run it through, but my brain, as I'm doing it, there's like an alarm that goes, boop, doesn't work. For me, for example, because the thickness of my legs and my abs, I have a hard time. If I have an overhook and wrist control, me pushing your wrist up and it's pulling happening. a triangle, it ain't happening. I can't get my fuck. Yeah. If, if I can get you, you suck at jujitsu. <laughs> you know I mean, because it isn't a smooth transition. It's yeah. going to take me like 30 seconds of fighting to get my foot over your shoulder yeah. to get between that crack. So even when I sit here and visualize it, I go, boom. I'm like, I can't do that move. My body knows that nah, you're not going to pull that off. Yeah. It ain't happening, dude. You know I mean? like, That's crazy how that is because I have these mental blocks, man. Like, I don't know if there's. I a think way. it's because I'm trying. And I've tried to fix them. You know, for the longest time in striking, I couldn't see a right hand landing. I cannot visualize my right hand landing on the guy's head. Like it just, and yeah. in practice, and I never. Did. I could land a hook. I could land, but the right hand for some reason was never a punch. Even on the pads, I could crack the pads on with it. But like when it comes to sparring, like I have this block. Like yeah. it doesn't. And then your brain won't do it because it doesn't have like a pathway to follow. Yeah. It's like it's like the the schematics of movement aren't even in there. Yeah. It's like go. It's like, like there's something missing. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's kind of that like, plays to what your game is, right? Because if you can't, if you don't believe what you can do in here. Like you said, it doesn't translate outside. So, like, I think that that mental work is so important because like, you have to be able to do it physically enough where it can be accepted. And something that you imagine. And I love the way you're describing how you're visualizing because you're feeling it. You can see it. You can actually physically feel it in yourself. Yeah. And you go and like I always tell people like visualizations have to be very vivid. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And like you said, I t I call them false memories yeah. because. Like you said, like yeah. sometimes you don't even know if it actually happened, right? Like, did it actually happen or did I imagine it? It doesn't matter. I mean, if you're able to do that, now it's like you actually had the experience without actually doing it it's physically. Believable. No. And it gives you, like, yeah. you, you only fight. Like, what, a guy who's a veteran fighter has, like, 30-something fights? That's a lot of fights. And it takes years to do that. But you could have 30 fights in a day, you know, in your head yeah. and get that same experience. But you have to be able to get the it's, feel. You have to get the smell, to get the height. Because yeah. I think they have different levels of how deep into your mind you can go. Because sometimes I can just, they're very superficially, and I'm, and I'm normally someone interrupts me or something happens, right? But if I can be in my zone, the longest I can be in there, 
like I feel the deeper I can go into thoughts, the more realistic it becomes. Like I've been on like such situations where like I'm on the verge of tears because I'm celebrating yep. the title. Like I'm so emotionally involved, I'm actually celebrating in my head something that's entirely but it's so vivid in my yeah, mind. Yeah, no, I get emotional reactions. Yeah. Like I get like I'm like, man, this that, is like I just won a world title. And that's you how know? you know you're doing a good job of it, right? Yeah. When your heart rate starts to move faster as you start seeing the fight going through yeah. it's it your your subconscious is accepting it. It's like believable. Like this yeah. is happening. You know what I mean? If you can see a visualization and it doesn't excite you, it's not working. No. You're, you're not yeah. you're not connecting. Something's not believable yeah. where your mind's like, no, yeah, I don't, it's not giving you an emotional response. Yeah, it's, it's, it's gotta be this. emotional, you're right. Have yeah. you guys ever done um, flotation tanks? Yes. No, I want to. You, know? you have done it? Yes. Yeah, you get, it gets pretty intense right yeah. after it. Like you're sitting in a tank. I don't know if you're I've, I've read about it. Yeah, like for people who don't know, it's like you're sitting in a tank that's isolated of all senses. The water is lukewarm, so it feels just like your skin, so you don't feel anything. There's no sound. There's pitch black. There's no smell. So all your senses are shut off. So it allows you just essentially you're sitting in a giant consciousness tank. Yeah. And the idea is to do like meditation. And when you go in there, like when I did it, like they had a, a guy tell you, this is do a guided meditation, go through this. I heard your then, injuries also kind of go away while you're in there. Like you can't feel them. You don't feel anything because you're, you're floating because yeah. it's a very high uh, sailing water. So you just float. You don't feel anything. You don't move. But like once you start thinking and you're going, you go through these rabbit holes where you're like just flying through things. And then at a certain point, you start getting anxious depending on where you're. Because right. you're just sitting alone for so long, you yeah. know, like so it's interesting. It's only like an hour, you know, but yeah. like it feels like a really long hour. Of time. Yeah. 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 yeah, Rogan and them do that. Those, I think they, they smoke DMT first. Or <laughs> like R- Rogan, I think, been popularized because like yeah. this thing is it was invented in the 1930s, 40s, whatever yeah. it was, but no one spoke about it for decades. And I think Rogan got yeah. into it through like because he's big on psychedelics and all that stuff. And I would imagine what it'd be like because I wasn't on anything when I was did the float tank. But I imagine if you did that high, yeah, you would be. Yeah, I'd have to do a show the first or time. DMT, whatever. Man, yeah. I can't even imagine how deep the rabbit <laughs> yeah, hole you would go. Fly through <laughs> yeah, you wake up in a different dimension, <laughs> right? Yeah. There was a movie about that where a guy was doing the, 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 the oh, where basically like in body, it was like it ended up being a horror movie. The guy went in the flotation tank and stuff like a. <laughs> Uh, it was a sensory deprivation okay. and somehow like it reverted him back to like caveman type like Neanderthal and like he was like what was the name of the movie it was a popular actor that played in it I don't know I'll think of it we'll have to go there later but yeah <laughs> if you guys know what we're talking about then yeah send this text me direct, direct message because I want to watch this now <laughs> yeah he ended up going like you know like it became like a Jekyll and Hyde thing almost yeah, where right. you know he would, he would revert to this animalistic caveman version of humanity that was him and then you know until ripping open the tank or yeah, um, <laughs> so that'll be the thought I'll probably go somewhere I might have sit there <laughs> <laughs> oh no that's, that's funny man but um Frank is there anything else you wanna nah man I think we kinda about? touched on everything a little bit uh, it's a fun conversation man like yeah that. We gotta I do it again, man. It was cool. I, we will do it again, I'm sure, at some point. Like it's it's well, even Vegas. I saw four of us come on mine, phone booth fighting. We'll Absolutely, because Richard will add in some good influence on. 100. percent Why didn't you plug that in there? Right, you're at oh, it. Yeah. yeah. Phone booth fighting. Uh, you can listen to me on uh, Stitcher Radio or on Apple iTunes. You can do the download. Richard Hunter and I, and uh, hopefully here soon we'll have uh, you guys on. Been on there once. Yeah. yeah. That was fun. I'll do it again for sure. Yeah. Excellent. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Frank. Thank you so much, Frank, for having us. I hope you guys enjoyed, guys. Uh, if you enjoyed the podcast, hopefully you did. Um, you know, share it with your friends. Uh, give us some feedback too. I really, really like positive and negative feedback. I guess like absolutely. Something we got to work on. Let us know. Like we want to make this the most entertaining show possible for all you guys. So this is really targeting the martial arts audience, but hopefully not just the martial arts audience because I think we go in, into 
conversations that I think apply to all levels of life. You well, know, like, so. you know, you, like Frank was saying, you, to me, the martial arts is about controlling your mind. Yeah. Right? And that's something that everybody could benefit from. And yeah. I think that's the most beneficial part of the martial arts is that it translates outside the sport. Like at a certain point, your time's done in the sport. And then you don't want to be like, well, that's useless now. Like I want to be able to carry that with me from everywhere else. Yeah. And well, I feel the martial arts definitely does that. I'm a proponent of that. That's why when people come to me, the biggest argument I have with people on the road is like, oh, I would like to do that, but I don't want to fight. I'm like, you don't want to train martial arts because you don't want to fight? That's like saying that I don't want to learn about music because I don't want to be in a rock band. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. Like, you could still appreciate yeah. martial arts and use it to train you yeah. and not make money. Yeah, and make absolutely. Money. Well, you know what I mean? um, Aristotle said a complete man should study, work, and fight. It's part of, like, part of like your education. I, I lean towards that because it, it teaches you so much about yourself. Like, I don't think people that don't ever step foot in the gym to to train and you know and, and and get to know combat on a very deep level they're fulfilling their whole nature there's like certain aspects about yourself that are calling for that yeah you're missing about you're a part missing of the experience a, of a, a huge yeah. part of your your human experience if you never experience you don't have to fight professionally but experiencing no. combat yeah you know having someone trying to beat you is it's almost like looking in the mirror a lot of ways well that's why i tell everybody like look our emotions are what they are. They can't be created nor destroyed. Like our, our urge to want to eat food, uh, there's a biological incentive to want to acquire calories. Now, obviously, in our society, it's kind of haywire because it's so readily accessible. Now we have yeah. obesity, right? Being violent is, bi you know, I always tell people, we are the descendants of people, all of us here. Yep. You had to consume calories, fight, and breed. If you didn't do it, I always call it the three Fs. You can figure out which one's the <laughs> If you're and if you don't have that hardwired into your brain, you probably don't be you wouldn't be wouldn't here, be right? And so and if you watch, anytime you suppress something in a negative way, it always backfires. Yeah, yeah. Look at breeding, right? Our, our sexuality. The Catholic Church yeah. tells men that you're not supposed to get married, not supposed to be with a woman, nothing. So now all of a sudden, like now they have this explosion of uh, uh, pedophilia going through. I'm like, well, that's because you tried to subvert yeah. a well, natural. As... Now there's a, a good way to take it. Like, okay, well, what if you're married with a woman and you got or a you know, monogamous relationship? Like, oh yeah, sex is good now. Yeah. But you can't see, so I'm not saying go out and, you know, go get AIDS and have sex with every, you know, everybody yeah. you see, you know. But you can't suppress it either. You can't suppress it. So I think violence is the same thing. Martial arts is a controlled violence, learning how to control it. it it's much healthier. Yeah. If the Columbine kids had a martial arts, if they were purple belts in jujitsu, I think they wouldn't have done that. I 100% know they yeah. wouldn't have done that. Well, yeah. and they probably just would have choked it, a kid out or two yeah. at school. It's, treat them. It's, they would have had self-confidence, but it wouldn't have been such an all zero violence until I went, oh, screw it. I'm going to get a gun and go to school. Yeah. Like, all, right. like all these primal urges have to be expressed. Yes. Right. If they're not expressed. There's a healthy way to do it. Yes. Way. Well, exactly. As Nietzsche would say, he would say something along the lines of you have to become who you are. Society tries to steer you away from who you really are, what your nature is, and like we have to find that nature, whatever it is, because we're not identical; we're all slightly different. But you have to embrace that, and, and that's how you fully express yourself in every, in in your full capacity. And I, I agree with you guys. I think fighting is an expression of this nature. Yeah, excellent. Well, I think we can do a delayed close. <laughs> yeah. That was yeah. that was yeah. Let's then the close there, but uh. Well, we had a lot of fun. Thank you so much, Frank. Yeah, man, I really awesome. appreciate it, man. And uh, yeah, once again, guys, hopefully you guys enjoyed, share, and uh, I'll see you guys. We'll see you guys next time. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Frank Mir. Again, if you guys haven't already, make sure you subscribe. You can visit breakingtheguard.com 
to have links to all of our different sites, whether it's on you know Podbean, iTunes, or YouTube. You can check it out there. And uh, again, we always post our latest episodes there as well. Our final word from one of our sponsors, which is FFACoach.com. FFACoach.com is a membership site that's run by my academy, the Freestyle Fighting Academy, hence the FFA. And it's where we put our monthly curriculums. So my school in South Florida is actually being taught with the same curriculums you're seeing listed on FFA Coach. So it's the next closest thing to being able to train with me uh, physically at my academy is to join FFA Coach because you're going to get the same class material that we show on a monthly basis. And our curriculum has three levels from beginner, uh, intermediate, and advanced. And then each curriculum is also separated from striking, wrestling, and grappling because we are a mixed martial arts school and focus primarily no gi. So our testing reflects that and we test in all three disciplines. So besides the curriculums, which are rotated monthly, we also have our just regular videos, whether we post technique videos or we do sometimes like class footage and we will upload it there. We have new videos every week, usually every day we post up, but uh, there's over 1,500 videos as of now. So there's a ton of content there that you can easily search through and there's tags so you can find by armbar or position or by instructor. So go ahead, you can check out ffacoach.com where you can get a guest pass and just watch a few videos or you can just do a $1 trial for 30 days and access the whole website. So again, visit ffacoach.com to learn more.